Welcome to the Inside the Eight podcast with your hosts, Jamie Monroe and Colleen McGarity. This podcast is dedicated to all things women's lacrosse. We will break down top games of the week, discuss coaching strategies, and lacrosse recruiting. We will even bring in some of the game's top coaches and players as special guests. And now, here are your hosts, Jamie and Colleen. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Inside the Eight podcast. Fired up to be back here with Colleen McGarity talking all things women's lacrosse. How's it going, Colleen? It's going good. It's beautiful out here in Philadelphia. I feel like we skipped winter, so can't uh, complain. Well, we've got awesome weather here in Denver. We started practice yesterday. Of course, we got snow on Sunday night, but in typical Colorado fashion, it was all melted by practice time on Monday, and we've got 10 straight days of 60 and sunny. So it's That's amazing. Yeah. I, miss, I miss that weather. The one thing I loved about Colorado, that it could snow and then be gone by that afternoon. No, it's pretty awesome. Oh, I'm so happy to be out there, and um, man, it's just so fun to... The girls are so fired up, and the weather's great, and I think we've got some uh, decent skill and some athletes. How about this? We had a, a girl show up I'd never seen before who's a scholarship-level soccer player, a start a varsity basketball player, and can actually catch and throw and never knew about her, and she's a total stud. That's awesome. I kind of have something similar. A freshman, um, it's actually Billy McKinney's niece. Oh, really? Um, really good uh, basketball player. She showed up the other day and scored an around the world shot and just like looked back at me. I was like, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> she had no idea what it was. Just that was her natural move to get this, you know, the stick around her body and score. And I was like, oh, all these girls have been playing lacrosse for 12 years. A little jealous. You just scored that goal. Nothing better than having a surprise like that. Yeah. All right. So you're into what week two or week three of your preseason? Week three. So where are you guys at right now? What have you, what's installed with your high school team right now, you know, on the defense and then on the offense, just generally speaking? Yeah, so I guess actually I'm in week two. We started like on a Friday, random. But um, yeah. we're separated our teams, varsity, JV. This week we separated it. I went offense for the first Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we've been installing actually your – video on Syracuse uh, weave. weave motion offense, which has been awesome. I'm okay. just super athletic this year. Everyone's a scoring threat. I have two lefties. I don't really have a behind person. So this offense really shaped for my skill set where, you know, I don't have like major feeders or people dodging from behind. I have a lot of wing and top dodgers, really creative two-man game type of players and just, you know, able to attack from all parts of a, of the eight. Uh, so it really worked for my skill set. Yeah. And I'm letting them play. We do a lot of 3v3 to start mm -hmm. to just get used to playing with each other and get going. And then we build off that with a lot of seven on seven at the end. So today we'll harp on that offense more. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're going to put in a zone. Um, and then we always are going to end with more transition plays. We kind of have Mm -hmm. the settled and transition going each day. That's awesome. What are you doing with the, when, are you, are you not playing with the ball behind much in this motion offense? Cause so I if it goes that. behind, I'm letting them dodge from behind, you mm -hmm. know, to get a look or two and hit a cutter from up top, shifting all of the attackers up to give them space. 
yeah. um, because in this offense, they're kind of on the GLE and low. Yeah. Uh, so we're getting one or two looks from there, but mainly they're going to be a means to one, back up the net at all times, and two, um, transfer the ball to the other side if they go down there and they don't bring it back up top. So it's not really a huge look from behind, but I will set up another motion set that allows for that and just put maybe two of my middies back there just to get an, an, you know, another look. Check out what I was doing yesterday. I'm experimenting with a little four player motion. Okay. In preparation for this. And also because I think it's going to be good against zone and if nothing else, it's just really good player development. But imagine you've got a player wing, elbow, middle of the eight, elbow. Uh, sorry, X, elbow, middle of the eight, elbow. Okay. So it's basically X, wing, wing, and then middle of the eight, okay? Is that on your coach's training too as well to watch? No, it's going to be. It's going to be, yeah. I haven't put it on because I'm just experimenting with it now. But what I'm doing is I'm dodging from behind. The ball side wing clears through. The girl in the middle of the eight kind of cuts back door but ends up filling behind. Okay. So it's a a three-player motion there of dodging, clearing through, rolling behind. The -hmm. backside wing stays where she is. Okay. When the ball goes behind, you push the other side and do the same thing. Okay. So it turns into a nice little throwback motion mm-hmm. that you can, um, that I think is going to be awesome against zones. And I, because I think that those, those cuts, the clear through and then the back, the back door cut who rolls behind is going to occupy a rover. Right. And will open up for the double cut out of your top three. So right. that's what I was thinking about, um, and I've been kind of working on that. I'll send you a video. I'll put it on there. But yeah, I'd love it's kind of interesting that. to think about. When you put it into your offense, what do you do with the other three people? Where are they positioned? They're going to be out top on the eight um, looking for – basically looking for cuts, but also exchanges and cuts. Okay. And I'm going to be able to pick for them. Okay. If it's man-to-man, we can pick with the clear through from the elbow. Right. As well. And that they can then slip it or we can just cut if it's going to be more zone. I think it's going to be right. more just cuts and slip. So just making sure your girls understand when it's a man, what they would do when they're in the position. And if it's a zone, correct, your role is going to change. Yeah. Nice. I'd like to see that. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, okay. So let's, um, let's catch up a little bit on, the excitement of division one lacrosse right now, there is so much parody and, you know, it used to be that you could just circle a bunch of games on your schedule and know you were going to get wins. Um, but uh, that's not the case. Um, anybody it's, it's, it's getting to the point where just about anybody can beat anybody. Um, so uh, let's talk about that a little bit. I know it's so exciting. I love just looking at the scores and catching up with my friends that are coaches that, I mean, it's crazy. You go and see like, you know, a team like Florida beat Stony Brook, and then within the same week, they lose to Dartmouth last night. Um, you have Loyola that's really stepping up. Hofstra's making big wins. Um, Albany played a one-goal game to Michigan last week. It's just really exciting to watch that there's so many different teams, you know, upsetting those powerhouses, per se. Um, Richmond beat Virginia last week. And, you know, it's just really exciting just for the – overall sport and the growth of lacrosse uh it almost creates like a march madness type feel you know for women's yeah. lacrosse which is just yeah. exciting and so what do you attribute the parody to 
I just think the growth of the game, more athletes, better players all out there, you know, so it's not just like 20 top players, a high school girls going to the top 10 teams. Now they're going all over. Um, and it's exciting because you see new teams popping up here and there that are grabbing more players. So I think it's the growth of the game, better coaching, faster play. Yeah. Yeah. More, what about you? Yeah, definitely more, a lot more players out there. I mean, there are so many good players and, you know, we've talked about this in our recruiting podcast from a couple months ago, but I feel like there's a ton of good players that, that people miss. Yeah. And then they go off into a school like, uh, you know, Richmond that might not be as, you know, in the state of Virginia as, as prominent as a recruiting destination, but they're really good and they can beat you. Yeah. I mean, take Alyssa Perella, for example, she's at Hofstra. She's awesome. She had seven goals and like four assists last night against Hopkins. She's unbelievable. One of the, she could be on a UNC, a Maryland, one of those top schools. So she, I mean, probably would have, that would have been her dream school, but Shannon's doing an amazing job, got her to come to Hofstra and is, you know, letting her reach her potential and letting her lead a team like Hofstra right now to be, you know, a top 20 program. So it's exciting to get those kids that are, you know, just missed, overlooked, maybe weren't as, you know, fine tuned during that process. Um, and it's really just, you know, creating for some excitement in the college across the world right now. No doubt. And there's also been so much evolution with the rules and the coaching and the game that I just feel like it's just in this sort of, you know, steep word, steep trajectory. Yeah. Um, that is so really so exciting to watch. The game has never been more fun to watch. I love the shot clock era. Shot clock. So awesome. much better. Yeah. Just the pace. It's exciting. You know, all the goals, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. And the lack of, uh, you don't have to play freeze tag anymore. Yeah, exactly. Free movement <laughs> and in high school. Thank God. Right? So exciting. The only thing I think about women's across a division one um, that would make even a little more parody if the games were a little bit shorter. I agree. Because the games are so long right now because there's so much, it wasn't too long before the shot clock, I don't think. But now that there's a shot clock, the scoring is going way up and games yeah. are taking two and a half hours. And obviously, if you think about trying to upset somebody, you want to shorten the game. Yeah, that's a good lengthen. point. How, what is the difference, men's and women's? Like, how many minutes more is a women's? Uh, men's lacrosse is 15 minutes stop time, and the games take around two hours, maybe a little less. Okay. And, um, and, but the, I, I definitely, it was about an hour 50 pre shot clock. Now with the shot clock, it's probably two, okay. two or five. Um, what's really interesting is in the PLL, they play 12 minute stop time games. Wow. So their game is about an hour and 45 minutes, hour That's and a little bit more consumer friendly. I'd be interested to see what they're, um, they have in store for the Olympic trial rules and what they're starting to create it's going to be something more along those lines yeah. well that's going to be more like the seven on seven rugby where it's like you for know, sure but the timing is definitely yeah. going to be shorter um yeah but i mean i think the games are going to be like 15 minutes in the olympics or something along those lines oh, like wow. super short you're going to play like five games it's going to be yeah that's crazy but but um the pl one of the things that i was thinking about is making that game shorter is making more one goal games Right. You don't have time if you're the better team to kind of pull away. Right. And so it just be, it stays a game longer. For sure. Um, so let's, 
let's talk a little bit about um, what we saw this past week. And as usual, um, we, we really want this to be sort of less about Sports Center and, you know, who won and who lost and more about the kind of analysis and stories behind them. Um, let's start off with Syracuse, Maryland. Maryland was to be traveling up to Syracuse for the last game in the Dome as we know it. Um, they are doing construction. There will no longer be the inflatable roof. Um, and um, it was the last game that men's or women's lacrosse were going to play in the Carrier Dome. It was to be senior night. Um, and then due to a threat of snow, um, Maryland ended up saying, you know, we can't, we can't make it. So Syracuse in turn says, well, listen, we'll come to you then. Um, and in the end, Syracuse ended up playing at Maryland mm -hmm. um, on what was supposed to be their senior night and uh, came through with a, a victory. Let's talk first a little bit about this unusual situation before we get into the details of what you saw in that game. Yeah, I mean, it was very interesting, especially coming from where I played at Northwestern, which there was a threat of weather all the time. I've never encountered this, you know? So, and we didn't even have the beautiful indoor that they have now. It was just you're playing outside and you made it happen. Yeah. Um, so I didn't even know this was like an option to not even like travel. I think you always snow. there's always a threat of snow. And you have an indoor facility to play in. So it's very interesting that it's not even like it's more of the travel getting there, but it wasn't didn't even start snowing. I don't even well, know what it, it, it never happened. it never did snow actually. Right. So it's actually even funnier, but uh just interesting. Um I, I assume that the seniors on Syracuse were a little bit upset, but maybe fueled them to have that, you know, extra motivation in this game where I don't remember the last time they beat Maryland. Was it quite some time, probably? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Maryland has been the class of college lacrosse, you know, yeah. in the 90s, and then again, in the last whatever, you know, sort of, it was kind of like Maryland, then Northwestern, then back to Maryland. Um, and so, um, probably not in a while. I know. Um, it was also alumni weekend. So, it was not only was it senior night, I have five Syracuse alums on my Triple H coaching staff. So it's alumni weekend. They take that very seriously. They get a huge um, turnout for their alumni weekend because it's drivable for most people. You can get there. Um, so it was, you know, they were very upset about this change of plans, but they all made it down to Maryland to cheer on their, you know, alumni. Yeah. Oh, they did? Yeah. The, the nice day. I mean, Syracuse usually travels well. Yes, they do travel well. Yeah. Um, um, and I heard that their senior night is, a, despite it being the last game in the Dome, there's this whole, like, with the parents get to run through the tunnel as well, and they run through the Dome. So there's a lot of, you know, culture things that they have there in store that they weren't able to do. Uh, so it's interesting that they were able to just, you know, move on and go play this game down in Maryland. But it's definitely like, um, bad advice from an administrator. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, I love the Maryland staff. I love, you know, they're a great group of people. And um, it must be, you know, something in administration that made them make this call. Yeah. But didn't help them in the game because then Syracuse came to play and they played well. They went up 5 nothing, I believe, and ended up winning that game 10-5. to five. How about Syracuse's defense? We talked a lot about their motion offense, but they have a backer zone defense that pressures, and, um, man, they're just dialing it in. I loved it. They were working their butts off all over the defensive end. I was watching them. They never stopped. 
Um, it was really fun to watch. They really rattled Maryland's attack. Uh, those middies I was really impressed with that they were able to have that energy and that, you know, stamina to bring that type of energy on the defensive end after, you know, playing attack, which their attack isn't very stagnant. You're constantly moving down there too. Right. So I was impressed with their defense. How would you characterize the way they play there, Backer? Uh, they are full pressure, uh, all out on ball. And then it seems to me that they, one, they have a backer. And then whatever way the attacker is facing, that next slide is immediately hedging over early. They're almost in like a triple team mm -hmm. at some point. So if the attacker is facing down the alley right, that defender to the right is like hopping over and doubling with that shift. So whatever way that attacker is facing, their zone kind of jumps from there. Kind of like the way they're passing it off or trying to double team it when you carry. So when you yeah. carry right, you're carrying into the next defender. But exactly. you also, if you, if you get through that, there is a backer. Exactly. So it's like potential triple. three people like kind of triangled and they don't, they're not, they sometimes until that person engage and is in a, a threat position that like double team really activates, but it's more just like they're, they're there, they're hedging, they're all hedging. And there's three people just kind of on them, knocking those passes down, you know, rattling those attackers to make rush decisions. Uh, it definitely worked. And their backer, because of the pressure, can hang out outside the eight and be right in a passing lane and really be kind of like a rover. Yeah. Um, knocking down passes and, and really being the ball side presence because of the pressure, she doesn't have to worry about three seconds. Exactly. So that's the main difference between the backer we used to play at Northwestern and the backer I've seen at other schools is typically that that backer is like working a lot and running everywhere. This backer has seemed a little bit more in control where the on ball and the adjacents were really, you know, activating that double team and running around a little bit more. And what about ball behind? Were they pressuring behind? With yeah. Mm -hmm. Were they passing off behind or were they passing uh, off sometimes staying? So it kind of was situational. Mm -hmm. So they had a really good sense of communication and reading each other, which clearly they probably practice this a ton, but they definitely had a core unit where they knew how to back each other up. If you know, you didn't pass off or you, you carried, they knew how to replace for each other. Well, and then what about um, offensively? Um, what did you learn? I know you've been sort of, watching that Syracuse weave mm -hmm. motion. Um, I'm sure you were quite interested since you're going to try to run a little of that. What, what did you learn from that? Um, yeah, I loved the way that they attack from up top in this weave motion. I want my girls to really watch how they don't get caught in the same speed going through constantly. Yeah. They have that awareness to stop, square up, throw a dodge, then you know flip or pass where sometimes when i put it right in with my attack um, on my high school team they would just constantly get in a weave like going the exact same pace yeah whereas you have to change it up yes you're cutting through and you're flipping and you're moving and you're replacing but you also have to square up and sometimes you know attack north and south um syracuse does a really good job of hesitating which we talked about like just a little stop a rocker a look back, you know, and then driving and turning your hips right past that defender. They do a really good job of cutting off the defenders on their dodges and not floating like 
east and west across the eight. Totally. And it makes it a lot easier if you're just predictable with speed to the middle. They can almost just kind of switch it if they want to. They can push you through mm -hmm. and then you're just running out of angle. Yeah. Uh, one thing that in men's across people do all the time that I'm definitely experiment with this is your, your ability to roll back in the middle of the fields. So let's just say you've received a flip and you're coming with speed. We, we just talked about hesitations, but if you roll back um, and sometimes roll back again, it's so hard to guard because they don't know which side of the field to slide from. So let's yep. just say you're coming right-handed and you roll back hard and they slide to your left, but you don't want your left and you roll back on your man again and the slide. And now you've got your right with all that space. I, I just stopped my offense the other day and I went over that move because all the momentum was going to the left. And I actually think it was Brooke Baker who caught it and then went immediately to the left. And I was like, just roll back. Like, look how much space you have on this side. And you, if you, they come, then you can roll back again. I went over it from the top. I was like, instead of trying to take the hard road of yeah. continuing through a couple people. Um, but that rollback is huge. And I was like, it doesn't even matter if you do it that fast. Like, right. just stop and go or, you know, hesitate. And um, so we've been working on that. I actually incorporated that in my practice today as just a shooting drill, working on the rollback. Rollbacks and double rollbacks. Yep. Do you think that offense would work against zone defenses? Uh, yes, I just think you have to be aware of hitting more of the cutters and hitting the second cutter. So sometimes, you know, that draw and dump spot, like, and hitting off the backside and getting those drag cuts from the bottom, you know what I mean? So having one, then the other. So just being a little bit more patient. You don't have to move as fast as Syracuse was the other day against a Maryland man. Right. Well, I also think that probably throwbacks – will really be good instead of just carrying it and sweeping it all the time. Receive the, the pass. Shooting space, like just pass. popping yeah. it up. Yeah. And really winding up and looking for that shooting space call. The Syracuse 34 weave motion offense um, is really interesting. And basically it's like a three out top, four down low offense in which if you can imagine a center player out top um, flipping to a wing and that wing carrying to, to the middle and flipping you know, creates this weave. But what's really neat about it is that once you're done with a flip, if you flip to the ball, you'll go join the stack down low on your side and allow a player from that stack to come up. And it creates this awesome weave motion. Um, and we want to chat a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. It's just great to see how much movement there is constantly. Um, I think high school teams too, you want to emphasize moving off ball. This one makes it actually like automatic because everyone's involved in the play. Everyone's involved in the motion because um, you're constantly replacing and cycling through, which if you have that issue on your high school team, it's a really fun look to put in because it creates awareness of like, all right, it's almost my turn to hop up and be part of that top look. And then I cycle through and you want to work for your teammates to get them that opportunity because you have to move in that stack as well to engage your defender. You might call it brilliant. Yeah, right? You could. All right, St. Joe's Rutgers. Yes, I watched that game. Um, St. Joe's won in overtime. Uh, I watched it because a lot of my Triple H coaches play for St. Joe's, so just wanted to give them some love. I'm going to try and catch their game live this weekend as well against Hopkins. Um, it was exciting. It was very fast-paced. Uh, St. Joe's was in a man, and – 
Rutgers was in a man to start before they went down five nothing, and then they switched to a zone. Um, but fast pace, a lot of eight meters, um, which made me, you know, write down again that that's just a point of emphasis for girls lacrosse. You just have to keep working on those eight meters. If you can put those shots away, so it's a different game. Yeah, no doubt. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so what did you learn from those from that game? Anything? Uh, typical things that I kind of already am aware of from my high school team, but a lot of turnovers from forcing the pass in the middle. So like just running down from up top and just throwing to that cutter that might be cutting from low to the middle. Just really hard to catch that pass if you're not curl cutting. It's really easy to defend because they're right on them. Especially when it's a righty cut from the lefty side. Mm -hmm. That is like the yeah. one everyone just gets. It drives me crazy, but I almost want to make it like you can't ever do it. But then right. sometimes it is open and I'm like, all right, that time it was fine, but I just don't like it. Cause then they have to like re-square up their whole body. So I really try and emphasize the curl cut and just getting in the proper spot to catch and then be in that threat um, position to just, you know, square up your hips and put that shot away. Yeah. Interesting. Well, last Thursday I flew down to Tempe mm -hmm. and got a chance to watch Marquette at ASU. Oh, wow. Which was awesome. Great game to watch. Uh, 75 and sunny, nice stadium. Um, ASU plays fun lacrosse uh, to watch. I think it's fun to play. A new head coach, Tim McCormick, um, is doing a great job. And they play a version of that Wildcat offense. Of course, he yeah. came from the Wildcats of Northwestern. Um, and they're really running a nice offense. I'm, I'm telling you, they had more – highlight real goals in that game if you can find the highlights of it you should watch it I mean there I was behind the back goals there was backhand passes backhand goals unbelievable pick and rolls like seriously like really fun to watch high level skill and they're playing great offense wow that's exciting I'm definitely going to find those highlights I'm, I'm a huge Tim fan we're yeah. definitely going to get him on here one yeah, of these episodes sure. soon um, so I'm excited to see how they're developing. I'm sure they're just going to get better and better every single game. What were they doing on defense? Uh, defensively, they were playing zone. Uh, okay. And they did a good job. And, and Marquette, you know, it's been a little up and down, but they played well in that game. And it's just like, it is, um, you know, it was like, I don't know, it got to 16-10, and next thing you know, it was 16-13. And then, you know, it's like, that's what happens. Um, yeah. It's a game of runs. And so, you know, when you're up by seven goals – midway through the second half this game is like nowhere near over right I know it's crazy yeah but that wildcat offense by the way just so the listeners know it's what they do is they play like two righties on one side three lefties on the other and two behind of course I don't think they have three lefties so they probably have one or two lefties and a righty over there and I was gonna say you can flip-flop it though can't you go three righties two yeah. Lefties? yeah yeah it's a two-man side a three-man side and two behind basically it it depends on what you want. They they are kind of isolating their their two righties, yeah, um, on one side to give them some space. Um, and Marquette played man to man, and um, and they played tough defense. They're just kind of like, hey, I don't think you guys are going to beat us. Um, but the way the way that um, remember we were talking the other day about how you can sort of post up and turn your back and slow down to mm -hmm. be a real threat because all of a sudden you're literally like right up against your defender. So there's there's literally no cushion so right. any any dead shoulder or hesitation or spin move 
any false step on the defense and, and they're just kind of done. Um, and um, Tim's been doing a good job teaching that. It's, it's, that's another thing that's interesting to watch too. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard concept to get girls to realize as well. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, do less, like slow down, like stop running all around, take a second, put the defender on your back or take a step in the right way. And you can still get that shot off equally as well as you running a million miles a minute. That was a good movie line. Do less. Okay. Now you're not doing anything. Right. Um, okay. So I did watch a little bit of uh, Northwestern Stanford. Nor Stanford looks really good. I mean, I know they return a lot, obviously a new coaching staff um, with Daniel Spencer coming on board. Um, my understanding is that they returned a team that was a, a legit team last year uh, in the NCAA tournament. They jumped on Northwestern. Um, you know, I think they went up like, I don't know, five. I can't remember what the score. It was like 5 nothing or 7-2 or something like that. And then Northwestern just cranked it up in the second half and went from like, I don't know, 12-10 to 20-12, to 22-12 or something like that. I saw that, that score. It was high scoring. Yeah. I'm sure it was very competitive. I mean, it's, you know, Danielle coached at Northwestern for a while, played at Northwestern. So there's always that, you know, competitive side that Kelly loves. She made us all competitive. She created that fire in all of us and we all want to win. Yeah. So it's like a bittersweet when the Northwestern alumni meet on the sidelines. Um, but uh, good for Danielle for creating that, you know, the next level. I think they've gotten better every single game this season. Yeah. We started out a little, uh, down probably not what she wanted and they definitely just got better each game they have a great recruiting class coming in uh in 2021 so they're going to be stacked in a few years yeah no doubt she'll do great things there and they look yeah. super athletic already and, and organized and so they played I, I, what i watched they were playing zone but it looked like they scotty said they were playing some man also um and northwestern kind of does what they do on offense when they which is they run their wildcat version um, and when they slow down enough to get the looks they want, uh, they're pretty scary and really fun to watch. Uh, who won draws in that game? Was it pretty even? I'm just interested. I didn't put a stat on it, and, and, and I'm not sure. Um, but yeah. draw controls, so huge. Speaking of which, how often do you work on your draw controls in practice? Um, so I have a draw group uh, that I learned from Northwestern. We used to have a draw group. I was part of the draw group. <laughs> um, I used to hate it because I never took the draw in college but I would have to go to this extra draw group. Now I'm so thankful that I did it because I have the tools and was taught exactly how to do it. So we go twice a week extra before practice. So we'll go specifically working on technique with my draw takers. And then we will do draws in practice probably three or four times a week from transition. So we'll take a draw right into like a 5v4 um, from there. So that person that wins the draw kind of brings that ball down. Whoever wins it in between the lines takes it and becomes a five and four. How much of it is a draw technique and how much it is of it is your athleticism and sort of toughness and attitude on the circle? I mean, it's a combination of what you have. If you have that amazing draw taker that can go to themselves, that's amazing. So you just work on that technique and working with that specific person. We are more uh, scrappy and athletic. So I'm trying to place it and then beat them with that athleticism on the circle I don't have that 510 you know go to themselves draw taker on my team where I did on my club team Mackenzie Blake is really really good at going to herself it's a game changer 
Um, you know, so it's kind of just dealing with what you have. So right now I'm working on communication. If they can start to feel where that ball is going, you know, and communicate with some signs or some eye contact to the people in the circle, get a leg up to be the first one to the ball. Also just getting rid of that ball right away. So we can like get that ground ball, move it. A lot of times high school girls get the ground or get the draw and then they get squashed in a double team. And so if they can get that quick release to their teammate, especially if they're double, that means someone else is wide open to get that ball. GBO ground ball offense. Yeah. We've been talking about that a lot. Yes, we are. Um, okay, so the last game that I watched, um, about about half of it was the UVA, UNC at UVA. Mm-hmm. Um, and UVA played them real tough. Um, UNC ended up pulling away, but UVA is super athletic, played man-to-man. Um, they play some two-man game on their righty side. You know, they have some nice little, you know, they kind of initiate a lot of times with the righty alley with a clear through and then kick it over to the other wing and then clear everybody out. Um, and, um, you know, they scored a lot of goals, um, a lot of one-on-one goals. They had some cuts too, um, but they're super athletic. And then Carolina is just, you know, as we talked to uh, Katrina last week, uh, really fun to watch. They, they, they do a lot from behind. Um, they've got two of the best, you know, X players, I think, out there. I saw a few finalizers um, that Katrina was talking about. Um, for those of you guys who didn't hear that one, a finalizer is a move where you split, dodge, roll back, cut back. So when you split, dodge, roll back, they tend to think you're coming back that way and you can sort of cut that short. Um, so they scored a few goals on that. Um, and um, a lot of fun to watch. But um, this week, uh, actually one week, um, on Monday of next week, um, North Carolina at Northwestern. Oh, that'll be a big one. Yeah. Definitely be streaming that one. Um, all right, switching gears. Um, each week we like to talk a little bit about recruiting. Um, just some advice, some topics. And today, let's chat about video. Um, relative to the high school season, um, if you're a 2021, if you're a junior in high school and you have been in contact with some schools or you're trying to be in contact and you're obviously contactable, being that you're a junior, um, what's your advice on giving coaches updates of highlights during the course of the season? Um, I think it's a really good idea. You should just keep updating your highlight reel. It's the only way they can kind of see you right now. There's not many clinics or opportunities to be seen um, because they're in season. So it's a constant reminder to my 21s that are still available to take a deep breath, work on your high school season, you know, do well so that you have good highlights to add into your video so that coaches take that second to be like, oh, wow, I like what I see. I'm going to take a look at her come June or my next clinic to make that decision. Um, so yeah, it's definitely very helpful, especially down the end of the recruiting road. Yeah. I see a fair amount of in men's across boys across, you know, people putting out mid season highlight videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have enough highlights, I mean, obviously if you don't have enough highlights, then don't do it. But if you do, um, it's not a bad thing. Um, what if you're a 2022? You're a, you're a sophomore, you know, they're no, you're not contactable as a sophomore. Um, but do you put out, do you wait to the end of the season and sort of kick that out in June or would you recommend doing what the juniors might do? It just depends on your role on your team. Like if you have enough highlights to put together, it wouldn't hurt to send someone, you know, these are my highlights. This is what I'm doing with my high school team right now. Um, but like you just mentioned, don't just, if you only have one or two, it's not worth it. Wait till you get, a few that makes a good reel 
And then, um, which might be towards the end of the season, come May, you have a good highlight film to send to the coaches that they can come watch you Memorial Day weekend if you're playing in the national tournament or that first weekend of June, first or second at that first big tournament that you're going to be at. When you were, well, I was going to ask you, when you were coaching lacrosse, what would you do? But it was different because early recruiting was in full swing, right? So, so now, yeah. but it's still similar in that when you're in season, you're really focused on trying to win the next game. Yes. And so how much would you even click on that video? Like, It honestly depends on the week. So if you, we had like two big week games that week, probably not clicking. You know what I mean? So that's why it's, so, it's okay to send again because I might get lost in the shuffle in your email, email pile. But um, so it's just week by week. The main concern college coaches is to win their next college game. Um, and then they might have a morning or two designated to go back to the recruiting board. Where are they at? Who do they need to stay in contact with? Who do they need to retouch with? If they clicked on a great highlight video and they saw one, let's put that name up on the board. We need to try and watch this player this summer. I just had an idea. Yes. What if you put like a video clip embedded in your, if you had a sick video clip, you just stuck it, embedded it right in your email. Hey coach, just uh, down below is my link. Um, at, check out this clip and you know, it's pretty cool. And then something that would like make them want to click on it, but it's one clip if all they want to watch is one clip. I think the simpler, the better. So coaches sometimes aren't going to, like if it's all the way at the bottom and you have a whole long paragraph, they might not even see that link at the bottom. You know what I mean? So that's it's a good idea. Just make it simple. Oh, wow, I'm going to click on this, watch it for maybe half the amount of time that the actual highlight reel is yeah. um, before they get called into another meeting or one of their own players comes in and needs something. I mean, like basically when you look on Twitter, you know it's going to be like, you know, a 15-second clip. On Instagram, right. it's going to be 15. You'll watch that. Yeah. If you want to see more, click. Yeah. It's not a bad idea, though, because that's like the not world bad. we're living in, right? Yeah, not a bad idea. You just want them to, you know, you want to catch their eye. You want them to write your name down so they're like, I want to watch this kid this summer. Or I want to find more about this kid to see what they're like. So if you're a freshman, you're 2023, 20, how much should you worry about your freshman year highlights if you have a huge role on your high school team where you're an impact player start to compile it you know that says a lot that you've earned that spot on your varsity team um and you can start to you know create that reel but also don't stress or go crazy if you don't have that if you're you know a reserve on a very good team you're gonna be just fine you have time right. so it just depends on your role and not only that i mean I just don't see that many coaches watching a, a ton of 2023 videos anyway, because they've got 8 million 22s that they really have to watch right now. And they know that it, you know, they're going to have plenty of time to see that 23. I mean, they'll click on it. If you're, if you're, you know, if you're like, Hey, I play for Colleen McGarity and the coach is like Hannah Nielsen, she'll probably watch it. But, <laughs> but a lot of times, um, you know, they probably like, we'll just put that one off, put it in their 23 folder and, check it out later exactly they they definitely there's folders on the side where they're like all right 23s i'm not even going to get there yet it would just be more of a learning process for you as a player you know put together your highlights from your 23 season as a high school player and then maybe add on to it to see how you've evolved pretty cool for a coach to see like oh wow they've 
gotten so much better from the beginning to yeah. the end as well. Yeah. Sure. But that's the beauty of the legislation that took away early recruiting. You actually don't have to worry about being recruited as a high school freshman, which is no, it's so crazy great. that I think about my, that I had a couple eighth graders that committed. Now looking at my eighth graders here at Penn Charter, I'm like, wow, I can't believe that they would have been in the shoes to make a decision on a college. I watched, I, I happened to be in NorCal this weekend and, and I went to look at uh, a game of a friend of an eighth grader. And I just, it was like pretty good lacrosse, but I mean, these guys, I can't imagine trying to recruit them. They were tiny. I mean, right? they, tiny. they probably aren't, but they just seem tiny. From, yeah, you know, I had five eighth graders in eighth grade when it was early recruiting. And it's just crazy. Like, I mean, I guess it made sense then because that's what everyone was doing. But yeah. now looking at my two little eighth graders that practice with my, my upper school JV team that are good players, um, I just can't imagine. By the way, back to the topic of uh, parity, you could argue that all that early recruiting was part of the reason why there's more parity because the schools that could have had first pick on a player on September 1 junior year took first pick on the player on, you know, uh, sometime in the middle of freshman year or eighth grade. For sure. Yeah. You never know how they're going to end up and develop. I mean, I look back to my eighth grade, you know, lacrosse team. There was people that were amazing in eighth grade that didn't end up doing anything by senior year of high school. Totally. Well, Colleen, this was really fun. Um, I uh, hope you have an awesome week with the team. Thank you. And, yeah, I'm fired up. I can't wait for practice today. It's just like, I'm like waking up. I mean, literally I woke up at 3.45 in the morning yesterday, <laughs> just thinking about my team. And then it just, it's just kind of crushed me. Get more sleep. <laughs> I'm too excited. I can't. Um, but uh, have an awesome week and um, we'll check in next week. Great. Sounds good. All right. See ya. See ya.